Some of our members are small business owners, and they know the secret to success is usually just that, a secret. So we built American Express Open Forum, an online community that helps our members connect and share ideas to make smart business decisions. We built this for our members, but we made it open for everyone. Connect at openforum.com. This is what membership is. This is what membership does. All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now at the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. Well, everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush. So Sorry, late. Chris. So Sorry. late. I was tinkering with something. So late. Um, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I'm, I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot. I'm like getting over a cold or something. So, oh, um, sick. <clears throat> It'll just be like that. Sit over there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> then nobody will be able to hear me. Uh, so in case you haven't heard, uh, Innovation Crush is a show where we look at some of the best ideas and people and things that we can find in the marketplace and that we are really excited about or things that our guests are excited about at the very least. And uh, to my right is Robert Donez Jr. Say hello, Robert. Hello, hello, hello. Um, Sitting across from me uh, is a man by the name of Brandon V. I always mess up your last name because it's Creole. Cretien. Cretien. That's correct. Cretien. There you go. I need more French. Um, So, and to my left is a name I can pronounce, Amy Rubin. Hello. Um, hello. So uh, this is kind of like our year in review. Like, you guys are the anchors wow. of 2013. How's that feel? Anybody? Whenever I'm an anchor, it feels good. All right. All right. How about you? It's no? pressure. Oh, okay. It's a lot of pressure. I'm sure you'll perform well. All right. Um, so, you know, we're just going to, like, pull out a, a few of the principles and things that we learned along the way here. But, um, but before we do all that... Uh, I don't know who wants to go first. You have water in your mouth. So, Brandon, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you help build a lot of brands and and businesses and things like that. But, you know, give me the the nutshell version of of the Brandon Critian story. Uh, Yeah, a lot of what I do is just essentially um, I I like to think of myself as a – one who's on the cutting edge of strategic partnerships. And I try to see innovative projects that are developing and assist them with my resources to help develop whatever it is. It could be technology, it could be traditional media, but mostly rooted in the entertainment space. Um, As you know, my background is from the music business, and I did, what, 10 years at Sony Music. I was an executive. You're an award-winning music executive. Sure, um, According to LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn. (laughs) I I tooted it for you, don't worry. I I served my time in the traditional music business. (laughs) And uh, essentially saw the, the transition that was taking place in 2000, uh, tried to be on the cutting edge of that and, and, and foster initiatives, bringing them into the traditional uh, company, Sony at the time. Right. Got a lot of resistance and uh, pretty much decided to make my exit in around 2005, started my company in 2007. Nice. Left Sony in 2008 and I've been on my own for, what, six years in January. Yeah. 
Happy anniversary almost. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And um, things couldn't be better. You know, I think it's an exciting time with innovation. And, uh, you know, we're shaping it. We're shaping tomorrow as we speak. Tell me about this two million view video I just oh, saw. Oh, cool. yeah. Um, we and a client of mine uh, aligned with a group called Code.org. And it's an initiative to bring uh, the idea of teaching kids how to code into schools. And um, we launched doing Computer Science Education Week, which was last week, the 9th to the 15th, to uh, get the awareness out there. And I'm really excited about it because, um, as you well know, the future is coding. And and, um, I don't think that... The, the school system puts enough emphasis on that curriculum. In fact, they don't put an emphasis on. I don't think curriculum. anybody knows how to knows what it is right. to be able to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think you know it's it's a real only code I know is the G code, which is a <laughs> entirely different thing. <laughs> sure, um, but there's some pretty high profile people attached to it. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey, um, you know, Warren Sapp. Nice, uh, and it's it's a well uh, you know versed cast, if you will, that are getting the word the word and awareness out there with respect to to coding. And one of your clients involved in that, like Warren, I know Warren is one. Yeah. And then there's this other, there's a kid, right? Who's, Thomas Suarez. Yes. Yeah, who is, um, Thomas is a pretty fascinating individual that I work with. Uh, he and his family, he's, he's, I think, 13 now. And he is an app developer. In fact, uh, he had a TED Talk that went viral <coughs> about app. Wow. You all right over there? No. <laughs> that wasn't me this time. Was, did you get it out? Did you get it? Out? I think it's good. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, Thomas is a part of it as well, and uh, you know, it's 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 pretty cool stuff. If you want to check it out? Just go to code dot org, and uh, yeah, check it out. Shakira, you know, it's, it's again, it's a pretty broad cast of people that are getting awareness out there. Well, we do charge for website plugs. Just oh, so oh. You know, thirty five dollars. I got that check too. Okay, per, per impression. <laughs> Um, uh, Amy, yeah. uh, back to back to Brandon. Oh, real quick. Well, okay, back to Brandon. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> not to cut you off, Amy. But uh, you know, Code.org. I've heard about it. I think it's pretty cool. Did you actually hear about? I think recently there was a guy in the uh, kind of like the news. Um, I, I read a couple articles about it, but he basically was like some sort of like developer, programmer, something like that. And he was just walking down the street. It was either yeah, like New yeah, York yeah. or yeah, yeah, Frisco, yeah. and offered the absolutely you know to teach this homeless man sure. it's a I great thought that story. was a really great thing too and, and yeah it's well, pretty what, cool that it what's interesting about that is um first of all it's a, it's, it's a great story I'm, i don't know if you guys have heard of it i forget my I name i have not heard of it uh it's he's he's, a, he's essentially a homeless guy it's not the man with the golden voice again is it no oh not that one okay it's, uh, if you got a, if you got a second gig off of being homeless <laughs> then we, then it's a scam sure <laughs> right then it's a hustle um no no it, it was a homeless guy in new york Again, I don't know his name, but but there was a young developer, a coder who was yeah. 23 years old, and offered the, the gentleman, uh, "I'll give you, I'll give you a hundred dollars. You could either take the hundred dollars, or you can study uh, an hour a day of coding." Mm-hmm. And this was in, I want to say, the which top, is the whole campaign, right? Like it's an, it's an hour a day, which is, is right, and yeah. it has nothing to do it has with the campaign. Nothing to do with it, no, it has mm-hmm. nothing. But what's interesting though is that they, what's interesting is that they, um, they, they concluded. His story during the week of computer science education, which you know I'm a conspiracy theorist, so right. I wanted just a conspiracy <laughs> there. But but anyway, so he ended up taking he ended up taking uh, instead of doing the hundred dollars, he took he took the opportunity to learn code, and he spent I don't know the exact 
you know, duration of time, but it must have been about three months or so, and just completed his first app last week and launched his first app. That's Hom- awesome. Homeless dude. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a very, very cool story. And, yeah. and I think, you know, th- th- those are the types of things I, I, you know, I love to see and love to talk about. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. You know, it's funny, too, because you, like it just really speaks to where technology is, right? You know, I'll see a lot of homeless people. I mean, we are in LA and it's the homeless capital of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, of, of LA, you know, of the country. <laughs> of LA. <laughs> there I go. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, you'll see people with like smartphones and devices right. and plugged in and aware. Like it's it's a di- it's an entirely different world we live in. Absolutely. So, um, so speaking of, uh, I don't know, it's not a bad, it's a good segue. But Amy, I'm homeless. <laughs> With that cough, I was right. like, I was like, that is a homeless cough. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so tell me a little bit about you. Yeah, I mean, especially from. I mean, we kind of just touched on a little bit of a socio political issue, which is kind of where you you were birthed. Um, Sadly, in politics. <laughs> but it's really interesting. Uh, you know, uh, how do you go from politics to? Sitting on the toilet eating chocolate chip cookies <laughs> on I'll camera. Put that in context. Um, <laughs> easily, actually. I don't know if you've seen some of the politi- politician videos out there, but <laughs> easily you can go to that. Um, I mean, I always kind of had like one foot in political and one foot in filmmaking, um, honestly. And I, to me, there are two ways to, and this sounds so naive and I don't know wide-eyed but there are two ways to change the world is sort of how I've always thought of it Um, and I always considered it's a little like polarizing to think of it this way but like political legislation um, you know doing things on paper sort of structurally like the systems that we live in and then culturally and like the media that we consume and the influences that we have and social constructs so to me like I started in one sort of got burnt out sort of felt um personally disconnected from that world and and moved more fully to the other being like media although i was always doing both so i worked um in 2008 for the democratic committees for obama for you know we worked so hard to get um a uh, filibuster proof senate in the for the democrats in 2008 and uh, we did a lot of like the first sort of creative like media stuff, and it was when things were really changing, and, and media consultants who were spending big dollars on big media buys, and Obama was spending a lot of money on technology. Right. I was like there, being you know, sort of being like, wait, 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 but we can do this more interestingly. We can do this more creatively. Like we don't have to be so message driven. We don't have to talk in these annoying ways that talk down to people. I was sort of pushing that. I, I always had a foot in like the Upright Citizens Brigade comedy world and I would bring in people that I worked with in comedy to be in ads and to be in, um, involved in some way. So it it, inter- it it surprisingly you know melded pretty easily. And yeah. so now um, I've pushed more over to the cultural side, to the, to the production side, to doing, to making the stuff that um, is my own voice and that I want to make. And sometimes that's branded entertainment. Sometimes it's, you know, we've done a lot of client work with causes um, but it's less and less like so message driven, right? Which is you know, or is the message in undertone, right? It just depends. Yeah, it's just more subtle. And I'll, I'm going to go into a, a quote of yours. Oh, uh-oh. uh oh. My inspiration was moments in my own life where the minutia of everyday interactions trip you up. I'm not dealing with any big horribles like global hunger or anything. These are the little horribles where the person experiencing them feels shitty, but most everyone else doesn't even notice. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's in context to to this what my web series that I that I write and direct them in Little Horribles, and that's like that's like my baby. That's like the one thing that I've done that's like just mine, and I didn't do it for like a client. And there's no message, but yeah, that is, and I and I think like I love the way that those things intersect, like. My little horribles, like our interpersonal. There's a lot of sad things I think that happen interpersonally day to day. That like they're not a big deal. It doesn't right. matter, right. you know. But to me, that's like what makes everything. You know, that right. what makes up the world. So. Yeah, it's all in the all in the details. But you also, you know, I mean, it's been super successful, right? In terms of the viewership and some of the other things that have, that have happened since then. Can you talk about those? Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll turn it over to you this time. <laughs> sure. You tell me. What's going on? <laughs> it's exciting. I mean, it's um, it's been cool to see. Like, we've had some of the biggest views for um, like higher attention rates, older audiences, as opposed to like the Talking Orange and shit like that. <laughs> um, so we don't have like five million. Not that there's anything wrong with the Talking Orange. I know the guy who does it. It's great. You know, <laughs> super smart. Um, it's just different. Um, so yeah, we've had great viewership um, in this different audience that I don't think is. They're not the people on YouTube subscribing to YouTube, but they but they engage obviously with video content because they're a human being. Um, and then you know we've gotten a lot of good attention just um, you know from the industry, from from like places you know that I respect like IndieWire, from um, Splitsider, from the comedy world, from LA Weekly, stuff like that. Uh, and it's spun into doing some cool stuff with Funny or Die with Hulu. Nice. Um, I think it's I'm excited about it because. We do a lot of client stuff and, and, and brand and cause stuff, but it's so exciting to do something that's your own voice. Um, it's really sure. the first thing that I've ever done. Nice. Very Robert, cool. you have any questions before I move on this time? Water in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anybody do their homework? Yeah. homework? All right, crickets. Okay. No, just, <laughs> just looking at the show or listening to the show. I did. I listened to the last one. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so basically, like I said, I want to I want to kind of look back at a couple of the just the themes that have really popped up over the past. What, what have we been doing this four months now? A couple months, yeah. yeah. So um, twenty episodes in, it's a weekly show. Uh, We're twenty episodes in. Yes, congratulations, is, yeah. very good, man. Thank you. Wow. Technically, this makes us twenty-one. We are now legal. We can oh, drink. we're legal. Yep. What does that mean? Awesome. Should we cheers? It means we can drink. We, yeah, we're going to cheers about <laughs> oh, our, oh, our twenty-first. Oh, now you get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm slow. I'm sometimes I'm slow on your jokes. <laughs> I, I like jokes. I know, right? <laughs> um, so one of the themes that you know kind of was a thread through every episode, right? At the end of each interview, we kind of threw out a fill in the blank to every guest, which okay. was innovation to me is. Um, one of the things that really uh, got me was the fact that everybody, everybody's answer was different. Mm-hmm. You know, it, innovation meant something different to every single guest, and it was a lot of really interesting perspectives to pull from. Um, a couple of them, one of my favorites was Carla Ballard, right? There's a woman who has up a, a new initiative at Ogilvy and & Mather, and she said, innovation to me is pancakes. <laughs> And Robert and I both sat here just like you guys yeah. did, like, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to piece that one, to piece and, that one together. And the interesting thing was that this was this was our first day. Like, this is, like she was literally our second guest. Okay. And we were like, uh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have asked this question. But then she goes on to expound, and she's like, you know, you take something plain like a pancake, 
And you can put any kind of topping you want onto it. You can make it your own. So it's like kind of taking something that's relatively plain and adding whatever flavors and, you know, and just different sorts of things you want to to have and make this your own experience. It's, it's nothing new, right? right? A pancake is as old as, you know, Jesus. But, <laughs> but you know, you take that, that concept and you do something really amazing with it. And then on the very flip side was a woman named Nicole Yershon who is uh, – she has a – Innovation in the UK for Ogilvy, also right, another Ogilvy. Right. Yes, these are some interesting people. Um, but she was like, uh, "I don't consider myself an innovator at all." And you're like, "Here you are. You head up one of the largest marketing agencies' innovation <laughs> practice." Mm-hmm. And she says, "Innovation to me is like people who are saving lives, right? And like people who are making medical miracles, and not really, you know, doing social experiments or." figuring out a, a different way for people to figure out how, what their preference for chocolates are. Right. Right. Um, so it's, you know, uh, so I want to kind of throw that to you guys as far as in your respective fields, what do you see as innovation, whether it's in content creation and storytelling or is in business building and things like that? What is like, what's, what, what sort of your experience and in, in terms of what innovation means in your day to day? That's a great question. I think for me, and again, um, kind of subjective, but I see it as disruptive. If if, if there's something that's created that didn't previously exist and it's disruptive, it changes the landscape of whether it's a business, whether it's an industry, and it causes transition and it causes for those in that business or industry to take notice, and it's disruptive. That's kind of how I see it. Um, For example, in the music business, when uh, the MP3 was created uh, in the mid-90s, but when it reared its head in 2000, extremely disruptive, completely changed the trajectory of you know, a multi-billion dollar industry. Ultimately put it to sleep because the traditional <laughs> business is not what it used to be because of that kind of disruptive innovation. So I think innovation is a big word, and um, you know, I, I think it's when it has that kind of impact on a business or industry. Right. That's what I see as innovation. Do you think what um, Beyonce just did is innovative? It's it's. Uh, I wouldn't so much call it innovative, um, but it is disruptive. You know, I, I think it's it's you know it's the cousin of innovation, which is disruption. Right. Yeah. And and I think what she did is is it certainly is going to uh, kind of you know wake people up and, and and change the way people go about marketing records. Right. That's for sure. That's such an interesting line to me, though, because it's like disruption and then like disruption within serving the same capitalistic purpose. Like, because she was marketing. Sure. Well, what you know, I, I think what she did was, um, which which was genius, by the way, in terms of yeah, her, her personal brand. Yeah. Which is she gave herself an alibi. So in the event it didn't take off, in the event the record didn't do well, she can she can market it or spin Sorry. it as. You know, I wanted to give something personal to my my fans. If she only did a right. hundred thousand, and the that's the thing, it's yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like those organic disruptions, right? Like right. where you can get away with it. Not not so much a Miley Cyrus, where you're like out there boldly making you know making noise, if right. you will. Right. Um, but no, no, noise is a good word. It's an accurate word. <laughs> right. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Uh, oh, are you a Miley fan? I just I don't know. I feel, I feel okay about her. I feel bad. I feel I don't know. Whatever. So so innovation. <laughs> Innovation is in your space because when I look at you, right, and I and I know the YouTube community fairly well. Um, 
you don't seem to fit the mold, right? You don't you don't seem to be in the club per se. I'm never in the club. <laughs> Any club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you're in this club. Yeah. We accept you. <laughs> but now um, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a member of any cool. club. <laughs> Spoken like a true hipster. Are you, are you, you're, you're an east sider, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like, I mean, it, 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 but it, does that kind of speak to your approach to the business, right? It, you know, you're not, it, it doesn't seem like a cookie cutter other than, you know, sort of the standard lengths of time and certain things like that, but the subject matter you chose to, you know, you choose to deal with, um, the tone of humor, I think is really, is really interesting, but just, you know, how do you view yourself as a, what are the differentiations you experience in your own personal approach to what you do? Um, I mean, I think a big part of it for me and like, maybe it's related, but like, it's just honesty. Like I kind of feel like honesty, trying to be honest because honesty is sometimes subjective is like, sometimes the most disruptive thing or sometimes the hardest thing to do or like the riskiest thing to do and like I remember dealing with it and still dealing with it with like political clients and with brands all the time like stop like trying to find a way to pitch or to sell or to convince like if you have a value just freaking tell us the value Right. Right. and like I think that makes the best stuff. It's the most convincing. You can be the most creative with that stuff. And it's sustainable and it's long term, too. I love that concept. Yeah. I subscribe to that as well. Yeah. I feel like that's. And if more people did that in all our work, everyone would benefit. But, you know, I think it's tough. I think people, you know, I agree with you. But I also think when it's such clutter, you know, and there's there's so much, again, noise that's happening. And you need to have some attention, right? You mm-hmm. need, if you're going to see success. One of the, another guest that we had was a guy named Dan Goods, who um, he's NASA's artist in residence. Okay. So his That's job awesome. is to turn their science concepts into, um, into art exhibits. Okay. So, you know, he would do these big public installations and he had one project, excuse me, <clears throat> where he had, um, who's homeless in that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, you can give me some money after we uh, or teach me how to code. All right. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, and it, it's really interesting. I mean, he had one engineer drill a hole in a grain of sand to kind of show like our size or our, our minute size in the universe. Where right. It says right. the known universe fills up six rooms with grains of sand. And he said our space and the, the you know the other three galaxies mm-hmm. around it are this one hole in one grain of sand. Right. And it's scary when you think about it. But when the public now gets like why space exploration is important and why their tax dollars are being, he's a marketer. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's yeah. being leveraged to market their their stuff. Yeah. You know, he's not in a direct sales position, but I, you know, I kind of feel like we're all selling something. But you know, that's okay in a way. I mean, sometimes that's okay. Right. I mean, like, but he was also just like giving that a perspective that was real. Like he, right. you know, he was being real about like we don't matter, right. and that's interesting. Yeah, you and know? that, but that's one. You know, that's one project, right? And, and you know, but when I ask him, like, you know, is he a marketer? He's, he's no, he's an artist, but right? That, oh. So and, and so what I what I wanted to throw out to you guys actually is. You know, how do you look at the sales process, right? It, because you have to go in, and find clients and mm-hmm. do your strategic partnerships with. And mm-hmm. yes, if you have some cool people in the back pocket that you can go say, hey, I'm taking Warren Sapp to, or I'm taking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Thomas Suarez, you have a good pitch there. But it, it, but at first, you have to get Warren Sapp to say yes, right? right, right. Um, what's the what's the sales process like for you? And even in the you know entertainment side of things, it's like 
you're pitching all the time. Like you have to, you have to sound you have like to you're sound. better than everybody else. The mm-hmm. best job I ever had, like I, one of my first jobs out of college, was like I was straight up like selling. I worked for like a tech company, and I was just selling, like st- like cold calling, like going to meetings, like. And I think I learned the most from that job. You know, I use what I learned in that job like constantly because everyone's always selling, right. and you just have to like know where the line is and like not lose sight of like you know. And hopefully, you're selling things you believe in. And right. Like that. right. But, well, I, well and, and that's the thing. I, I think I think we live in a climate where, you know, there, there's such a a shallow approach to to products to really selling anything that's going out to the masses. And I think you know what what, what gives me an advantage or someone like Amy in advantage just from her philosophy is that you know th- there's there's a niche for selling things that or or for marketing things that are that are organic and sincere and that's my marketing strategy or when I'm pitching something it's pitching sincerity right and so I won't attach myself to anything or put together projects or work on projects that I can't organically talk about you know and Warren, fortunately for someone like Warren he's the same thing like he you know he works best when he's in a position when he can just be himself and it, and whatever we're working on if it's a brand or 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 you know a, a startup that we're aligning with or a philanthropic organization he has to be in a position where it's an extension of his day-to-day life you know yeah. it's, it's honesty that that we're selling and marketing and when i do any project i have to be able to walk into a room and really really feel it you know i, I can't i can't falsify it in fact right when I when one of the one of the uh, kind of realizations for me during my 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 tenure at, at Sony was when I felt like I, I realized I had a job because the first seven years of my ten years being there maybe the first six years I never felt like I had a job right. I, I, you know I got up every single day did my thing and it it felt great because I really believed in Nas I really believed in Destiny's Child back then I really believed in all these artists that I helped develop but then when it came to a point to where you know. I'm sitting in meetings and and they're telling me let's make genuine the next usher. You know, no, how about let's make him genuine? You know, how about nine o'clock? <laughs> so home alone. There you go. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Somebody was playing this earlier today. I was. It was so it's a funny coincidence. You bring up genuine. Yeah. See. So um, let's call. How'd you like that, Robert? How'd you like that singing? It's, I like that voice of an angel. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty nice. Thank you. So I, I apply that. I, I apply that same concept to to any projects I work on today. You know, whether it's a tech project, new media, whatever. I have to really, really believe in it. And fortunately, there's not a lot of people. You know, attached themselves or marketing things that they truly believe in and I right. think you can see through it so, so for someone like me it works you know that's my marketing pitch is sincerity but if everybody was doing that if everybody was marketing sincerity then I might have to mark I mean market something that's you know, I think yes. it's or not, hard yeah. sex appeal <laughs> Yeah, there you go. No, it's funny. You bring up an interesting point, and this is this was not in my notes, but uh, there was another guy, Jason Okuma, who who's filled with quotables. Robert loves quotes. He loves quotes. quotes. Um, And like normally at the end of every show, he asks people for quotes. And but Jason's interview was like full of gems. Okay, (laughs) you're like, oh wow, like let me write that down. Um, But one of the things, and he's kind of like a we were talking about this earlier. Like he's kind of like a coach to young entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. You know, had a big hand in what's happening in Silicon Beach and the whole ROC thing and, and so on and so forth. Is uh, Silicon Beach in Venice now? Yes, like straight yes. Straight up just call it Silicon, okay. Kind of, yes. Okay. There's still, just I mean, you sure. can still like I wasn't go sure play basketball like, or go to, what is it, the, the gym? What's the Venice workout facility? No, the one where everybody, yeah. Muscle, oh, Beach. Muscle, Beach. Muscle, Beach. Muscle Beach. Thank oh. you. I, I, I'm there so often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly ever look at the sign anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he, he talks about like, um, 
aligning your personal brand with what it is you're doing. And he, sure. and he says a lot of companies will, you know, at the when they're being formulated, will write a vision statement. Sure. You know, so like how many of us write vision statements for our lives? Right. Right. Like where we know what, especially from a strategic partnership standpoint, Absolutely. you know, it's like, or even in the, in the entertainment space where you're lining up with different kinds of talent or trying to merge the political world with this comedy world. Yep. It is kind of like, what are the, what are the principles that I believe in that are going to guide mm-hmm. the decisions that I make every day? So, yeah. is, I mean, that, I thought that was really interesting. You said, yeah, that. yeah. Well, well, that's certainly something that I subscribe to, and that tends. And, and, I, and again, I think, I think my bet in terms of my business and and what I do, especially in the entertainment space, is on integrity. Right. That's my bet because not everybody's doing that, and so. You know, I don't write checks. I, you know, speaking of quotables, I always like to say I don't write checks I can't cash. So I'm right. not going to tell somebody. I'll you know, cash your check, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so yeah, integrity to me is a big, a big component of that because again, it's a rarity, and that's that's what I'm banking on. That's my bet in terms of making me my 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 business succeed. Right. Yeah. But even just that idea, like of like the vision statement thing. I mean. I don't. I don't know if I'd call it a vision statement, but I think like forever. You know, I I try and have. I do sort of write down like what's my focus, like what do I want to do? Like I have, I feel like I've been obsessively sort of trying to articulate that since I was little because it's right. like, you know, if you're a driven person and like you're a person that gets excited about new things or like you can't just like jump from one thing to the other, you have to just like be pretty f- like narrowly focused on whatever your goal is. I don't know. I mean, at that time, this is this is sort of a tangent, a tangent. But there was this awesome. I don't know if you guys listen to Terry Gross. Do you guys listen to Terry Gross? No, the interviewer. Gross. Oh man, this is L.A. <laughs> this is, <laughs> Terry Gross is like the is the most amazing interviewer at NPR. So she has a inter. She oh, I, should, I should know about her. Then I listen to NPR every day. Sure she's the Terry, most amazing. Terry, interviewer. I was gonna say besides Chris and the podcast. <laughs> I know. I know Terry. I know. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with Terry Gross. She's like phenomenal. She yeah. just asks these questions. I, I, you have to listen to it. But there's an old interview with her. And Jay Z, and he talked about the how he would never have become a um, successful in rapping if he hadn't like gone against the grain and stopped drug dealing because people were like, oh, like rapping doesn't make money, and it was a time when you were making a lot of money drug dealing, and right. it was like a really hard thing for. He was like, I'll rap a little here, I'll drug deal a little here, and he had to be like, right. no, I'm gonna risk it and right. quit drug dealing and just rap. And I always thought that was like so important, and that like you know if you don't just commit, you have to commit. Yeah. To your thing, yeah, and just and just go yeah. at it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a tangent, it actually but. brings us to a good next point, though, because um, there, uh, you know, there was another guy, Hame Watt, uh, who is a serial entrepreneur. He created a company called Movie Pass, um, which you know was a subscription movie going service. So you pay like thirty five bucks a month, you can go to unlimited movies at ninety three percent of the theaters around the country. Really? Yes. Why do I know that? Because it's a huh. new company. You just started, oh. but it's uh, but I mean they've got all the deals in place and building up their consumer base. It's really interesting. So uh, shout out to him and that. Um, but also just became a venture partner as part of LA's uh, largest venture capital fund, which is at $200 million. It's a company called Upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I did not get to ask him, because he's been on both sides. He's been on the entrepreneurial side, and he's also on the, you know, I can fund you side. Right. Um, and my question would have been for him is, um, uh, how do you know when to stop? Right? Sure. You know, there's, there are a ton of startups. There are a ton of people with ideas. It'll dig on them and you know craft them for years and years and go and pitch and go talk to people and then there's other people who you know either they see the success 
on that on that journey or on that path. And then there's others like sometimes you like you get that miraculous phone call and like, oh, I just thought of this idea last week and now I got you know three hundred thousand dollars. Those are rare, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, and probably the first story is a lot more common. Um, as far as you guys with ideas and building these kinds of things, how do you go about like knowing when to stop? Like, you know, when, when you call it quits, like to stop working on the idea or yeah, to like, give up if it's not working or both like, you know, yeah. what, what's your barometer for success versus perseverance? That's <laughs> a good question. Thank you. <laughs> it's Terry gross. Good. <laughs> I don't know if it was Terry gross. Good. Thank you. It's a good shout out. Do you want to go? Uh, sure. Uh, I think I, I think a lot that has to do with it that I look at is the passion component. So, um, for example, if it's a startup, um, if if it doesn't seem as if that startup is catching traction that I've aligned myself with to help you know do biz dev or bring in investors or VCs or whatever, uh, I start to look at the the passion component with respect to the founders or the infrastructure of the company. And if it seems as if that that the passion remains and they, they still have the same ambition. And, uh, at that, that's what I'll assess. And, and, and if I see that still there and I'm still passionate about the, the right. concept as well, then, then I will continue because the reality is, you know, you, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to have challenges. And, and these are things you're going to deal with when you're starting anything that's brand new, especially when you're innovating because nobody's heard of it before. And, right. you know, you're going to hear no a thousand times and, and you have to be able to know that no, your next no is your close to your next yes. And for example, she talks about Jay-Z. He wouldn't be where he is right now if he, if he, you know, essentially didn't continue to believe in what he's doing and kept that passion and, and, and continued to move forward with his career to, to eventually where he was able to pull off a joint venture with priority records at the time. Right. So same thing with these, with these startups. Um, if, if the concept is still relevant and the passion is still there, then, you know, I'm still going to believe it and still hold on. Now, if they, if the passion isn't there anymore and I've worked with companies where I've had to just kind of pull out and say, you know what, I have to move on to protect my personal right. brand. Um, and it, it, that Brandon's ha- not calling the spec. <laughs> <laughs> Just call him again. See if he picks up. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm well, I, but that's a good point. Like, how do you exit that? Like, do you ex- bow out gracefully and, and you bow say, out gracefully? And I'm, and, 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 I, <laughs> and I'm honest. I mean, I mean, you know, I won't mention the company, but there was a company that that I'm very, very grateful to. What does I it rhyme with? with. Uh, Epsi. <laughs> Epsi. <laughs> and, yeah, and I actually helped. Fun- I helped get them funded, and um, but it reached a point to where their their window for their innovation was very small. It was a great concept. The window for innovation was very small, and that window closed. Right. And I no longer believed in the relevance of what they were doing for the next five years. And I was with them. You know, I was with them for a, a, a significant period of time, maybe, maybe two years. And so, uh, respectfully, you know, I, yeah. I, I had a discussion with them and, and um, said I had to continue to build my business. Right. And uh, and we're still good today. I'm, you know, we're still cool. But I no longer believed in the innovation. It wasn't so much the, the infrastructure of the founders. I just didn't believe in what they're, the, 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 the innovation of the product anymore. Right. So, you know, respectfully. Yeah, the hard number I heard is two years. Right. Like if two years yeah. is, the, is supposedly the number. That was my like, that was my that's yeah. kind of my assessment you know assessment process after two years mm-hmm. I'm looking at where are you, you right. know, how much progress have we made and how realistic is it still it's like dating hmm, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's good, it's good. <laughs> yeah. two years and what about you what's your um, um, when do you know uh, when do you uh, want to dump the person yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, even even your own ideas, right? No, but I, I think you're like you're even in a more harder 
zone for pitching ideas, right? Because right. everybody know. thinks they're you know funny, or right. they think they have a the next you know Jerry Seinfeld or whatever right. a, a piece of content, and it's really easy to make, right? <laughs> yeah. um, by com- by comparison to what it used to be, right? Like to get a pick up a camera, right? Exactly, yeah, right. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's not that dissimilar from what you were saying about passion, uh, I guess. And, and I I think a little bit about this idea. I don't know if you guys have heard about this idea of, like, I think it's called the law of sun costs. This is, like, such a foofy thing. Have you heard it? Law of sun costs? Yeah. You're just like schooling us today. Thing. It's like, this, I sound so foofy. I don't know why. No, no, but, no. like, it's just the idea. Somebody told me about it a long time ago where, like, uh, you can't believe that there's you, like regardless of how much you invest and put into something, you have to always be able to drop it. Like you can't believe that like if you cut yourself off from something that you're losing anything. It's just the idea that like it is what it is. You did what you did and that's it. You can't right. think like, but I put this time so I have to keep going. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and more times than not, that, that experience ultimately leads you to the next potential opportunity that totally. could be huge but you had to go through that right. one experience that you had to let go and, and I agree you can't carry that baggage with you because sometimes yeah. especially if you're a founder what I found is that you know they're so personally attached to the project as if it's one of their kids because you know psychologically to some degree it is right but well, you start, you even said earlier that's my baby like yeah, yeah. Little horrible. I yeah. feel like I date my work my <laughs> yeah. therapist says that you're well, dating your work it's <laughs> so romantic I like your therapist voice <laughs> yeah. but like relationships uh, I go see that person all the time yeah. the, the relationship <laughs> about your mother analogy that you made it, it, it's kind of like that because you know sometimes you date certain people to learn more about yourself before right. you get to the one that you ultimately are with. Oh, that's right. so sad. That's yeah, so. <laughs> are you single or are you... Uh... Very single. <laughs> so Spoken from a single man. Yeah. <laughs> so how much do you know about yourself? <laughs> you just use people to Still learn about learning. yourself. <laughs> Robert, I saw you jotting stuff down over there. What, is, what does that say? I was just writing a quote that he said. I, I wrote down the... What about uh, what I said? <laughs> you'll, you'll get to well, it. First of all, did you say sunk? Cost? Sun cost, like S U N K O S. Sun cost. Yeah. Sun cost. Well, because I, I, oh, I was just cost, asking because I've okay, heard of like you can no, 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 I've heard of <laughs> like sunk cost fallacies. You know, oh. like uh, it's kind of like a way of thinking, really similar to what you were describing. But you know, like a sunk cost might be you know you spent X amount of dollars on something and then you know kind of went it's related. Yeah, it probably is. I'm sure. But yeah. anyway, back, back to the quote. Uh, I was just quoting you on the uh, your next no is closer to your next yes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know no no okay no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was you just, quick. You just, you just, you just got closer, Chris. You just got closer to your next yes. That's funny. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, another guest that uh, really kind of blew me away. It was like one of those interviews where I was like, I don't know what to ask because they're just going on and on. This is really awesome. Uh, this woman named Allison Arling, uh, and she CAA has a, a group called the intelligence group um which is all research based and in a marketplace that's moving so fast and people's habits are changing on a day-to-day basis the way they interact with the world is literally changing mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis absolutely um, they uh, it was amazing how much data they're able to collect yes and it's is um a because yes you can pull from you know technology tools and mm-hmm. all your information is stored somewhere anyway mm-hmm. um, but also like being face to face and spending a day with a consumer or with a person in a certain demographic and they talked about like how gender roles are changing and families to mm-hmm. um to like 
access to porn, right? Sure. The kids have. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like when I had to sneak the, the tape in the, in the VCR. <laughs> yeah, now, now you just have it right at your fingertips, don't <laughs> exactly, you? Exactly. Yep. Figuratively and literally, don't you? Are you still in the bathroom? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That stuff is so interesting to me, though. Like, the way that, um, por- like, the access to porn is changing kids. There was a, uh, somebody was talking, oh, what the fuck was it? Oh, it was the producer of, of the Louise show. I can't remember her name. Pamela Alden. Yes. She was talking about this, because she just has to, like, not to totally go off, but she was just, like, talking about how her kids, she has to just accept that they're watching porn all the time, and it just changes, like, <laughs> the whole conversation, and now it's not, not like, this is how, like, you have babies. It's like, I don't know if I can say this, but it's like, can... oh, this is, like, why you come on someone's face. <laughs> they're, like, 13-year-old boys. Because, <laughs> like, it's just true. Like, they've seen that now. Yeah, right, like, right. And you can't, That's true. You can't, and even it's if she doesn't world. let it yeah. in the house, yeah. like, they're watching it, like, on the kids, like, someone's phone. Phone, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Anyways. I have an eight-year-old. Now I'm, now I'm nervous. Now you're thinking you about gotta, it. Thanks, Amy. you got to bring that up with her. What have you been looking at? Like, just start shaking her in the, in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the point of that anecdote was, <laughs> no, I mean, this idea that, you know, you're trying to learn about an audience as you go, right? Um, how much of what you guys do is gut versus, as Robert kind of puts it sometimes, is social science, right? Like really sure. di- digging deep into a demographic versus like, ah, I got this thing and like I know what it is already. Yeah. You know, how much of it is ethereal versus... I think that's a that, that's a really good question too. And, and it's, it's something that I can speak to with respect to kind of uh, my personal process. But I, I, I'm constantly studying human behavior constantly everything i do that, that's just what i do i'm studying it right now everything i want to go to get a starbucks i'm in line i'm constantly studying human behavior when it comes to social media i'm not that prevalent personally uh in terms of my you know me myself however i'm constantly i'll check facebook and twitter and i watch it like the nsa i'm just <laughs> spying on people all the time and 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 people don't realize that though people will like they don't realize how much they are doing or disservicing their own personal brands i am that dude that, what do you that, mean disservicing just like if you're like if you're like yeah here i am drunk and such oh, and such yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it's like yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, they're, or, or they're thinking unconsciously Ugh, like, like they're letting their thoughts out onto facebook they do it all the time people right. do it all the time and so I'm, con- I, you know, from from sunup to sundown. That's my life is studying people and human behavior. Right. And so for me, it's it's that <laughs> meshed with uh, my own personal intuition and ultimately my gut. So I like to think of it as my gut's the underwriter mm. of a decision. But ultimately, it's because of a compiled database within my own mind of studying people and human behavior. Right. And then ultimately, because of my experiences up until this point, I'm able to make a decision, a, a pretty rational decision on which way to go, you know, with my gut as the underwriter. Does yeah. that make sense? No, that makes sense. It's, it's funny because it, I think it was a Malcolm Gladwell's book. Mm-hmm. Um, Outliers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about thin slicing, right? Where right. it's like over time you build up enough yes. experiences yes. to really assess something really quickly. quickly. Absolutely. Which is exactly what I did with his book. Um, <laughs> but it literally, I was like, "Oh, I get, I get the point." Uh, like page thirty, done. Right. Um, but it, I mean, to your point, it's like, I guess that is the mix of yeah. gut versus you know experience. analysis. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, you know, and again, it's it's one of those things where I don't have to think about it. That's just I'm programmed at this right. point to study people constantly. You know, because we're always shifting. Innovation's changing everything. Yeah. Human behavior is changing. The way people engage each other is changing. It's it's it's, it's a really disruptive period across the board because of innovation. So, um, I, you know, for the last five six years, I've really dedicated a lot of energy just to studying people, and right. that's just what I do. So now, when it comes down to making a decision about a project or whatever, I just feel it. Right. 
Yeah. It's crazy though how much people don't like observe what's going on around them or think about other people. It like it blows my mind. Blows my mind too. Because it's like <laughs> I mean that's all I like all I do is like watch people and think about why they did that mm-hmm. and over yeah, I'm the, same way. I'm the exact like, same way. Yeah. But people like lots of people just don't do that. Lots of people just like do their thing, interact in their thing, yep. think about mm-hmm. them and yep. then leave. Yep. And then just like what what are you thinking about? Right. Like I mean in a way it must be relaxing. Well there was another there was an interview <laughs> I read um, and you talked about like I mean even going back to Little Horribles, right? Because I, I, part of me goes how do you even know that that stuff is going to be funny, right? Because there's, there, it is such small moments, right? And you and you talked about like the awkwardness of saying hello to somebody. Oh my god! Like it's when you walk into a room for the first time, and you're like, you know, I always joke about like, oh, I didn't know which dap we were going to do. Yeah. Right? It's just like <laughs> yeah. you don't know what you don't know right, which right, handshakes right, 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 right. is, well, is I, coming your way, yeah, or goodbyes like these. But it like your interview was almost like deathly. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know. like the bane of my freaking existence, like the hello and the goodbye. I just can't. I mean, now that I've like talked about it enough publicly, and like that was strategic. Like I right. mentioned it in an interview so people would know when they met me. Like, oh, she's gonna be weird to hug. <laughs> I'm like, it's great. Like people have read it, so like now it's great. But like, yeah, I don't. I, but that I'll just this is tangent too. But like, I really I just hate the fact that now it's also people hug in professional settings in like conference rooms, like like or just like a business engagement it's like come on like that is like a safe professional space like why would i hug you i just i just really hate that um but anyways were you held as a child no (laughs) (laughs) i mean i come from like you know like the obvious like jewish east coast over analytical crazy that's exactly what i was gonna say i was gonna say it's almost to a almost an overanalyzation of human behavior you know, so when you but when you make when you either either of you makes business decisions, right? How much of that is like hard statistical data based, right? I get the gut and like yeah. yes, it's a creative idea. Okay, yes, I, I see where this goes. But then I think it's the stats that should support the decision, yeah. right? It, sure. It's like you know intuition, gut, and then for real, yeah. you know. But like sometimes there is no because like I feel like with business decisions in a weird way like I can make a decision pretty quickly and just commit to it like I can just kind of be because I sort of believe in a way that like whatever your decision you made now you made it and that was the right decision and like I don't know you know I feel like I can argue and see any side of any decision in a way so like at the end of the day you just got to go with like how you feel or like what you a lot of times honestly with business it comes down to me too like who do I like as a person and like who do I want to work with and like what is my feeling about this thing right. after everything else you know you've thought through and whatever I think it's you know once you made it just go with it yeah yeah I, I mean I, I would concur in that uh, I, I was well first of all th- there has to be it has to make mathematical sense you know s- st- statistically or uh, whatever it is but even if that's there and I don't feel it I'm not doing it I have to feel it you know, it has to be an organic feeling. And again, based on my t- my 20 or 10 years just doing what I do or in the space, I have enough experience to be able to trust that feeling when I get it. And when I get it, I know it. And I'm in. It's Marvin Gaye. There you go. When I get that feeling. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought it was I get it, I'm in. 
Um, Actually, that you know, I think that's a good segue because you know you look at some lofty brands that are out there and like they take risks and will Mm -hmm. go with the decision like kind of no matter what. Um, Another really cool guest was uh, George Whitesides, who is the CEO of Virgin Galactic, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know he was just an interesting individual because I didn't realize at the time that he was uh, well until like we the day we were about to interview him. He was the former chief of staff of NASA. <laughs> like, and then you look at his LinkedIn, and there was nothing else after, like, before that. And you're like, right. you're like ooh, that, was, that must have been top secret. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, whatever wow. he was doing, was, you know, or he just didn't update his LinkedIn, one or the other. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when I look at a brand like Virgin and the trajectory that they've, you know, that they've set themselves on from music to airplanes right. to space travel. To Coke or, or to Coca-Cola. Right. You know. Right. Exactly. Um, I mean, what do you think we can learn from a brand like that that's out there taking risk? And it's not a cohesive story, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, we live in this time of multi-hyphenates where yeah. everybody's kind of doing a little bit of everything. Sure. But when a, a big brand like that does it, and a lot of brands have tried it and failed, right? Yeah. They're like, oh. But, but I think I think with Virgin, that is their brand. They, they He's built his brand on that, that ideology, you know, being that diversified. And he's an eccentric person who tries many different things. And I think that's his personal brand. And it resonates yeah. to, to the overall Virgin brand. Not everybody can do that because that's not they're not being honest to themselves or right. honest to the core of their company. He's done that from day one, you know. So I think um, the public is the public is receptive to it because they've seen it for so long and he's cultivated it for so long. Whereas if somebody comes out the blue and tries to do that, let's say a Nike tries to diversify and make Coke the Nike Coke or something, it's not going to work, right. you know, because they haven't they haven't cultivated. Just drink it. They're not, they're not being honest <laughs> to themselves, you know. Right. Yeah. So I think it works for him. Not everybody can do that. And I wouldn't suggest other brands try to do that. It's like that's what he does. Right. You know, Richard Branson and his brand. But it does really. Yeah. I mean, but it does really make you think like what we were talking about earlier. He just is a person that like it seems like that's just what he likes. And that's yeah. just like what he's into, which makes sense. Like that's what he so that's what he built. And he's stuck, you know. Yeah, but I like poetry, you know. It's, it's, yeah, so why are you a poet? <laughs> you know what I mean. But, but, see, I, but see, I've known you for years, and I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about. Do that. you like poetry? I, well, I mean, I said it as an example. Oh. I don't. I don't mind poetry. I, you know, I, you came, I've you been to my poetry? share of spoken word events. Can you recite one? If you came to me tomorrow and said you're about to do a spoken word uh, session, I would be blown away because I, I don't know you as that. I haven't. You haven't blown away and that. support me, or you blown, be blown I, away I, and be I, like, guess what Chris is doing? That, guess what Chris is doing? Hold on, did you guys know he was? in a play yeah i saw it you saw it you were there i went to the nutcracker did you go oh. yeah I was no you didn't front row center Chris. he called me <laughs> robert called me like that and i'm like oh cool robert came and, and i picked up the and i missed the call and i called him back and he goes sorry i dialed the wrong number <laughs> wow Wow. Wait, how, how long ago was this? Uh, last weekend, two weeks ago. Was it really? Yeah. See, there's a reason why I didn't get the call to come to the play. He's <laughs> like, Brandon won't believe it this. It was not a, it was a play. It was, it was the, the Nutcracker. Nut it was a performance play. of the Nutcracker. My daughter was in it. She was not watching porn. She was actually watching wow, uh, ballet. with those tights. <laughs> yes, you did have a problem with the tights. Um, but that is, that is the ballet brand. Yeah. 
Um, but like uh, yeah, it. so uh, thanks for bringing that up, by the way. No, you're, you're now I need to see a therapist. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, every year they ask a few dads to be in the production. And this is not your average, like, you know, community theater production. This was an 1100 seat venue and, you know, oh, wow. two and a half hour long production. And I had the uh-huh. San Francisco um, ballet guy. Yes, yeah. exactly. Who's very cocky. It was great. He was great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so let's get back on track here. <laughs> um, I'll go with uh, Jeff Gomez. It's probably like, I, I, I'm almost going to say the smartest guy who's on the show. Um, transmedia guru, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Starlight Runner. He has worked with Coke. He's worked with, I forget, you know, some of his other clients, but they're big. Look him up, Starlight Runner. Um, and he came on and he talked about, again, from his personal brand standpoint to building a business, he grew up a nerd. He was always like into Star Trek and, you know, it was in the 70s. And he basically, he would follow every piece of content to no end. And whether it was the comic book or the TV show or the animation piece or whatever it is. Um, but Loser. now. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was classic. Oh, this might end up on the highlight reel. That's great. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Amy didn't mean it. You may even end up working with him one Josh day. Or not now. Josh just, Je- just Jeffin. Yeah. Um, so uh, I look at like the need to be everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Not yeah. every brand or be person needs. It can be overwhelming, right? If you know, mm-hmm. if you're a freelancer or if you're a major corporation, it's like, oh, we got to have Instagram, we got to have, and you run social media, Robert, for Sideshow, and you know, multiple clients, multiple platforms. And you go, look, we got to be everywhere, you know, every time. How important is that? It's exhausting. That is so exhausting. That idea is exhausting. I mean, I just don't think that it, I I don't think, you know, I remember, God, like working in in politics when like it was in the beginning of 2008 when everything was starting. I remember like Twitter was starting and like, I can't remember. They, They were like, I remember seeing lists of social media sites where everybody had to have a profile. And like. I just think we've proven over and over now that like, and I've seen like what works online is is niche, like everything right. is niche content, right. yes. niche audiences. Yes. And I could argue I like against and for why that's great and yeah. why that's horrible because we're siloed and we only talk to our own people and whatever. But I just think like it's all about your targeting. Yeah, it's relative yeah. to the personal brand. It's relative to that entity, whether it's, you know, a talent, a personality, a, a company, a startup or whatever. I think it's relative to that brand. So if you're if you are Pepsi, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think you do need to be everywhere because they're a mass uh, product. They're trying to they're trying to hit everybody. That's what but they you're do. Different and different. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I think right? I think part of it is like if it doesn't matter what brand you are, right? Mm-hmm. It's the is finding your community and the voice of your community on that platform, right? Yeah. If I'm MoMA and I want to be on Instagram mm-hmm. versus uh, Vine or Pinterest, exactly. Like, there's a relevant audience there for me. Sure, it's just a matter of like how. How much exhaustion do I, or effort do I need or even want to but put it also into it? Depends what you do well, because like MoMA or like Guggenheim or something. A friend of mine mm-hmm. worked on the Guggenheim app, and so I'm thinking about them because it's like they had an app, and then it's like they want to be everywhere to like promote that app and to show content from that app. But like their demographic is, it's probably like on Instagram, it's it's on Facebook, it's not on like Vine, right? So like you don't really have to worry about it, mm-hmm. you know. I think right. it's just knowing, and it goes back to numbers in a lot of way too, like knowing who your people are, and yeah, where they I are, agree. Where you want to reach. Um, let's start wrapping up a little bit here. Uh, Twenty fourteen is upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, one or two things that you're looking forward to 
in either in your day to day or in in the innovation space. I mean, I wrote down some notes from just like the PS4, the Xbox One. You know, you look at Instagram's personal messaging features, or just like you know, it, what's coming up? China going to the moon finally? Um, what? I, 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 yeah, I, that that I can speak to that. Sure. Um, and this this is 2014, and just moving forward, I'm watching big data closely. Um, I think that's huge. The business of big data, obviously, I'm right. watching. Uh, paying close attention to um, the internet of everything, I think is fascinating. Yes. Where, I think that is yeah, so you, you know, you put those two together because they actually go hand in hand. Big data and internet of everything is everything's you know from from driverless cars and all these other kind of uh, technologies that are being brought forth to the mainstream. Um, oh, what else? Three uh, D printing. Oh, my God. 3D printing is so big. Yeah. There's a car now that's that's the first 3D printed electric car. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, man. It's fascinating It's stuff. funny. It's funny. I wrote down 3D printing in my notes earlier, and my mm-hmm. joke was I, I still don't know what it is. You, you haven't know. seen the video of them. Printing. I mean, I've seen, but you know, like I've seen it. I just, I kind of don't get why it blew up. And I, right. and I could be the odd man in the room. I don't, I don't care. But it's just like, I'm like, you know, how it's caught on, and yeah. and because I felt like 2013 was also like a big year of like. Things like that. Bitcoin was another one that people were talking about, which I've never, I've that seems never. Seems more weird. Than 3D <laughs> exactly. Printing seems. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just want to know: Can you print a 3D printer? And then Ooh. I'm sure you can. I'm sure. I'm sure. You just and, then it, and then it would just work. Yeah. Like well, already... we, 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 you, well the, you, you piece them. Well, from from how I understand it, because I'm still learning, but they just they, it prints pieces. It's like a printing oh, yeah, together a puzzle. And you have to build, build it. it. Yeah. Like they, yeah. but there was already like the first thing where somebody printed a gun yeah, and yeah, they killed yeah. or like there was some yeah, yeah they did target practice they yeah. printed a 3D gun a Oops. real yeah yeah that's that. now we need up. 3D printing control yeah man no ser- seriously well, what's going to happen is Wait. I mean they're going to have to and that's the thing what's so interesting is to, to to kind of watch how technology supersedes regulation because ultimately they can't oh, we're, we're already there exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah so um, so so real quick hold on because I'm not yeah. done um, <laughs> you're really excited about a lot <laughs> I, I am I am <laughs> Obviously, coding. We talked about that earlier. Yes. The, the, how that's becoming more mainstream. Code.org. Um, but also robotics. Robotics. Yes. Oh, yeah. Robotics yeah. is big. And, and and there's another organization that um, I'm working in and talks with called uh, – it's called KISS Institution of Practical Robotics, and it works with kids. But I want to bring that into mm-hmm. inner city schools as well. But robotics, interestingly enough, when we talked earlier – uh, that was one of the things that I thought to myself, okay, I want to make sure I talk to Chris about robotics. Yep. But when I was driving listening to NPR, um, they did a whole segment, Warren Olney, on um, robotics today, which I thought was interesting. Huh. And, you, and you know, Google last week yep. just purchased um, uh, Boston Dynamics, which was, it's, an, it's a robotics organization, which is like an extension of DARPA, which does all of the robotics and technology for uh, the military complex, or, in, you, you know, the military system. Right, yeah. Um, so anyway, robotics is something to keep an eye on too. Well, even in uh, Detroit, which is another interview we had with this company called Challenge Detroit, but um, there's so much innovation happening. I feel like you know, especially when you hit rock bottom, like mm-hmm. you've got no choice but yeah. to sort of reinvent right. something. Um, but you know, when a lot of the auto workers got laid off, there were a couple of robotics industries that stepped in and like, mm-hmm. look, these people have very similar skill sets to what we need to build, you know, more robotics. Uh, sure. And so uh, you know, there's this underpinning now yep. of like a, a bubbling community of, of ro- the robotics 
products industry. Absolutely. So, and, which, which, go, which goes hand in hand with coding because you have to code the robots. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, the, as you said, there's like this undercurrent that's we're building. About, we're about two years away from the Terminator, I'm telling you. Seriously, two years. Dude. I feel like we're there. So, 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 yeah, so if you take the integration of everything, you take, I mean, the internet of everything, you take uh, robotics, you take coding, you take big data. I mean, we're we're really entering that space right now. Yeah. It's interesting times. Singularity. You know? I'm, I'm not yeah, going singular- I'm not, I'm not to keep, right. you, you'll keep going. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, I just hope like with all that stuff, because like I think about this a lot with Silicon Valley and with like, you know, the leaders of like a lot of this, this innovation. I just hope that like it can be more diverse. Like I just right. am so like this is booming industry. It's this opportunity for people with untraditional skill sets or less traditional educational backgrounds or whatever right. to just freaking like be a real entrepreneur and like exceed in this I really think you know looking at where our economy is today like this is America's opportunity like people yep. used to talk like three years ago yep. that like our opportunity was in actually in like green energy and like climate I think that's like kind of we, we kind of screwed it up like it's over yeah, yeah. I think it's in like tech and yep. I just hope that like we can see more diverse like leaders, women, people of color, people with different right. backgrounds, just like getting in there. Which more. is exactly why um, a, a lot of the energy I'm exercising today is with these organizations to bring them into the inner city schools, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. these kids can you know kind of get the idea that this is cool and learn this stuff. So so to, to to your point, we have more people of color, we have more women that are at the forefront, right? Of uh, this kind of innovation, in the, in the, with the with kids, right? They're doing it anyway, right? There was a, there was a, but, but no, but, but no, but the thing is, uh, hold that thought. Okay. In the inner city schools, <laughs> it's held. They, they they they're not. They don't even know about it. You right. know, I, I did a talk. I think I told you at, at Crenshaw uh, right. a couple of weeks ago. They didn't even they did, they didn't even know about coding. They knew nothing about robotics. They knew nothing about that. And so I think there's a you know there's a, there's a disparity in terms of the information that's being disseminated to these kids to even expose them to the potential opportunity to learn about these kinds right. of things. You don't even know what you don't know. You don't even, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's I mean it's the same like you don't know what you can't see. And I think like right. I really am like a big supporter of just like mentoring in these areas because yes. if you don't reach out to there's so many people that. I mean, you know, not to like be the woman in the room, but like it's there's so you much are. bro club, yeah, and you know, we you. just hire, you know, and they, I think, like, and I, and everyone's kind of guilty of this. You hire who you're comfortable with, you hire who you know, and like, I just think it's really important right now to have systems in place to make it easy for people to yes. hire who they don't know, right? Um, so well, it's, it's perspectives, right? I think we're in a space where like so much information is traveling. Like everyone has a different perspective, and it's so valuable to because you're going to miss a whole like market segment. You know, yeah. Robert's interests versus mine, they intersect. But if I, you know, but if I prefer working with you all the time, then I'm, I'm not going to get that different perspective and that right. different thing. And, and which and, expands creativity and expands right. innovation. It's, expands it's the thought. true idea of like the mastermind, right? Like yeah. most people think mastermind is like the evil guy behind the curtain, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like the definition of a mastermind is a collective group. Of thinking, right. you know, thinking, and then the best ideas come out of that. Absolutely. So, um, so 2014 is going to be awesome. Uh, you guys both fill in this blank. Innovation to me is. Oh, I forgot that question. I kind of I, already, um, I, I pre-warned you. Even Amy's going first on this. One. <laughs> I'll say. I feel like well, all right. I'll I'll say I think it's. Um, just breaking stuff like I think in general we need to like break more constructs break more ideas that we have it's sort of like pushing the boundaries but like more just there's this quote that I love that is you can't <laughs> this is so political but you, go, Robert, you right, can't uh, dismantle the master's house with the master's tools 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's the idea that like you can't change the system when the system is broke with the same tools, with the same approach. And I think like we have to dig, you know, innovation is when you really question like your own tools and your own constructs and you break it. Yeah, I like that. That's lovely. Uh, in short, I think I'm, I'll just I'll say it this way, I guess. Uh, the disruption, the disruptive creation of that that didn't exist. That's my idea of innovation. That's great. That's deep. Thank you. Um, well, that's it. I'm 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 fresh out of commentary. I mean, I could keep. You talking did great, by the way, dude. You, I, I didn't know you were this. You, you're you're a pretty dope cat, man. <laughs> hey, <laughs> multifaceted, dude. Hey, oh, well, I, we didn't get to my multi hyphenate section on the. <laughs> hey, I actually hey, wrote Chris. that down. Well, yes. When is what your... is innovation to you? Hey, that's there you go. Since, since it is the you know the end of the year and we've been doing this for a little bit, I don't think anyone's heard that's your bold. take. I think uh, uh, wow, that's funny because I've actually I mean I've I've thought about it, but um, what immediately comes to mind for me is just rethinking, right? The and rethinking how we do things, how we interact with things is just constantly challenging your own perspective. Yeah, I think that's you great, know yeah. And and I think that's one of the things I kind of pulled away from this show is like uh, how we started out. Like innovation to me is that whole concept of what we do on the show is different for everybody, and and nobody's wrong. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, Some people are wrong. (laughs) Well, a lot of people are wrong. Uh, They look wrong. Um, No offense, but uh, no, it's it, it it is that. It's like just. Being open to rethinking some, you know, yeah. something or everything, yeah. right? It's, uh, you know, and the cool, like- the cool, the coolest thing is, I mean, if you just it's something I'm fascinated by, and it's 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 simple, and we all do it, but the idea that something can start as a thought in between your ears, mm-hmm. right, and then come out or elsewhere, you know, for me, and materialize and just and show up, <laughs> right? That's no. that's crazy to me. Yeah, you from know. a 3D printer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And on that note, um, I want to thank you guys for coming by. This is this is awesome. Yeah, it's I'm very glad cool. you got yeah, to, to anchor the show. And uh, awesome. Robert, you all right? I know you said you were sick before we we got in here, so everybody kind of feeling just, much better. Oh, are you good? Actually, good. You yeah. look better. Thanks. <laughs> so this is it. Uh, thank you for uh, Amy. By the way, where where can people find you guys? Um, Socially, digitally, like address my handle or something. Uh, yes. I get that um, uh, AY Rubin. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. There's like too many places. Are you B I N? A Y R U B I N. I mean, Google my name. There's like okay. 50 oh, wow. places. Google me. I mean, come on. Sure. <laughs> you got a card? Google me. That's, that's my new, that's yeah. my new thing. I'm you will, anyways. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, the clcgroup.net, that's my company website. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a kind of uh, a generic email on there, but that's how you can find me. The CLCgroup.net. Oh, and also check out thoughtleaks.com. Thoughtleaks.com. That's another $30. He just racked up. Yeah, he just racked up $105. <laughs> oh. Good. I'm cool. Robert, we're going to dinner. Okay. Uh, thank you guys. We'll see you next time on another next Innovation year. Crush. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it. On the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me. 
takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.